Welcome to Antimatterpod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today, we're discussing the Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4 episode, Something Borrowed, Something Green. So I said earlier in our recordings for this season that I wanted more information about Orions and I was hoarding every little Orion fact like a magpie and then they gave me this episode and it's a gift just for me. It really is. Thank you. It was was made for you. The Orion plagiarist joke in the teaser, (laughs) I was already fully on board but I was somehow even more on board at that moment. So we have another ship full of of one alien mm-hmm. the Orions, and uh not boba fett comes <laughs> to destroy them look until we have a name for them mm. I, it's just gonna be not boba fett as promised i rewatched relativity and i looked at the time ship in that episode and i think maybe this could be a time ship but also it's hard to tell and i think that's probably deliberate it's meant it's definitely meant to be ambiguous and mm. i'm so first of all, this time the Orions attacked them. Yes. And uh, it's unclear whether they wanted the Orions to begin with or if they just were retaliating. But also, I'm starting to think that they're not being destroyed. They're all just being collected. Oh, into a menagerie? Something. Yeah, a menagerie. A menagerie. Exactly. <laughs> because... It's it's strange. It, it be all one type of alien mm. collection. It feels you know like Noah's Arky, <laughs> and I'm wondering what's going on. And also, it's it's this is a comedy show. It's a cartoon show. It feels like if they were just murdering everybody. I don't know. It's a little weird. This is a comedy where Packled Planet was completely destroyed. This series has killed people before and only Shax has come back. But I agree that, you know, it's interesting that in each of the attacks we see artifacts floating in space, but we never see bodies. And I realise that's very grotesque and maybe they're just being tasteful. But at the same time, Strange New World certainly didn't hesitate to give us bodies floating in space. So I just think we're, we're maybe building up to the not Boba Fett appears to the Cerritos and, Mm. you know, attacks them and the Cerritos blows up and then Mariner and Boimler wake up somewhere else. I think that's a really good theory. I have to say, I don't really have any theories as to what not Boba Fett wants and that's okay. I'm having, I'm having a good time watching it unfold and by definition, Lower Decks is not about the plot. It's definitely not about the plot. This is an episode about Mariner and te- uh, uh, about Tendi going home to her sister's wedding and Rutherford and Boimler problem solving via role play. They're sort of all problem solving via role play. Oh That's my the, god, the you're, you're right. Thread be- between the, the two plots. That is so and true. Until you said that, you know, that the A plot is literally just we're going to our. <laughs> to our sister's wedding mm-hmm. uh i i was thinking that rutherford and boimler's plot is is very slight 
and mm. I, you know, nothing, nothing happens, nothing, nothing important. But actually, going home to your sister's wedding is also not important. <laughs> as <it> turns out, <laughs> so you know, I mean, again, lower decks, lower decks, and I really do enjoy okay i just saw your note here play acting is conflict resolution so you are ahead of me on figuring this out thank you <laughs> i love that tendy goes home and we finally see orion and talin and mariner are both so excited to go with her uh talin out of what she says is purely scientific curiosity but i think it's because she thinks tendy is cute and would like to get to know her better that's right. And also scientific curiosity, because Talin can do two things at once. And Mariner, as Tendi's friend, but also going, yeah, I've been kind of offensive about your culture and I would actually like to learn. And I think that's great. Oh, Mariner. It is great. My queen. She got stabbed so many times and every single one was hilarious. <laughs> it really was. So I think that it's reasonable to see parallels to a mock time absolutely uh, because we bring two two friends mm -hmm. <laughs> to what was a secretive you know to pow is very put out but <laughs> there's some mm -hmm. humans in her Vulcan ceremony and mariner gets stabbed just like jim kirk <laughs> <laughs> the question though like talin <laughs> talks about how mysterious orion culture is but are they secretive or do they just feel that the Federation is never asking in good faith so they don't bother sharing? Because it seems like Orion culture is there in the open if you care to look for it. They weren't hiding. No, no. Anything on this no. planet. I think it's it's not even necessarily that the Orions aren't, aren't telling the Federation. I got the impression the Federation isn't asking. No, that's it. That's it. The, They've just assumed they know what the Orions are like, and so they just let that happen. <laughs> Which I think is kind of how middle-class people think about those they have decided are lower-class or trashy, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're new money. They're too opulent. They're too sexual. Oh, they go to nightclubs and wear terrible clothes and do weird sex things. And it's, it's like, I'm pretty sure they're just living their life the same as you, and I'm pretty sure you've also been to a nightclub in your time. Right. The class parallel is interesting to me. That is interesting. So there's this episode of CSI mm. where a furry is accidentally killed. I think I've seen that episode. <laughs> and uh, the, the end of the episode, you know, Grissom is like, we saw people who don't fit into our mainstream idea of what people should be like. Mm. And we assumed that there were all these hijinks and bad sex ideas that were, mm. that were happening with mm. them. And it, really, it was just a completely normal situation. And uh, that's what it feels like. It's sort of like we've decided they're deviant and therefore they're doing bad things. They're doing crime over there, but really they're not. Look, I don't want to say that Orions are the furries of the Alpha Quadrant, but it seems like for many years furries were the punchline of every joke mm -hmm. on the internet. And, you know, whatever subculture you're in, you can look down on furries. And the furries are just like, hey, guys, we're just living our lives. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So. At the same time, like, Orion society does seem to be, in a lot of ways, a kleptocracy. 
And I think if this was a different, you know, not a comedy series, there is really crunchy stuff to get into about Orion pheromones and consent. And how does this very gendered biology work when you have queer Orions? But the more we learn about them, the more we know to ask these questions. And I think that's fantastic. And I love that Tendi joined Starfleet because she wants to learn. And when to Erica says, you know, why is Starfleet always scanning things? And Tendi says, to learn. But at the same time, I think my uh, my ideal arc for Tendi over this series is to reconcile her Orion culture with her Starfleet ideals. Right, to see that she can't be the only Orion who cares mm. about learning. Mm. Hey, <laughs> and, hey uh... we just had a whole episode about how Orion scientists are a thing that exists. Exactly. So I, what I got out of this, and I'm probably because I have spent the last week welcoming students mm. to my university. You know, we start with the international students and, you know, we try to make sure that they're feeling welcomed before everybody else comes mm-hmm. in for this reason of we real we recognize that someone like Tendi leaving her home to go somewhere that is completely different from everything she knows mm-hmm. takes a lot of bravery. It takes a lot of desire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're giving up so much. It really felt like this sort of immigrant story. <laughs> yes. With, with, with Tendi. And I just think that it's fun that like Tendi is the Spock character, <laughs> that Tendi is so open and, and therefore the opposite, but also her whole thing is trying to find herself in a place that, you know, she she didn't feel like she fit in on Orion, but she also doesn't fit in in Starfleet. Yeah. And it's because she has to come t- to terms with herself. Mm. And she has to be the good type of Orion for Starfleet. Mm-hmm. I think right. maybe if she came from a less prominent family, maybe she would have been free to become a- an Orion scientist or to embrace more of her culture. She's not just Mm. hampered by culture, but by the Orion class system, Mm. which puts her family very close to the top. Yeah, they have sedan chairs. (laughs) (laughs) For all. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I I like that Tandy's dad is just a complete himbo. (laughs) I feel like Tandy must get on very well with Ransom because he reminds her of her dad. Aw, that's sweet. No brain cells. <laughs> no brain cells, for sure. No thought, uh, only vibe. <laughs> Although there is this weird gender thing with your Orions, mm. and we only really see her dad and then Niall, who is also no thoughts. Where are the smart Orion men? They were the scientists, so... Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But even there, like, Tendi's grandma was was a, a big part of it, so... It's definitely interesting, and it feels like a depiction of a science fiction matriarchy that is not all about, actually, the men should be in charge. Like, absolutely, I think there needs mm. to be some sort of equal rights for men movement. I, don't, I almost said men's rights <laughs> movement on Orion. Not that... Uh, I'm I think sorry. 
Like, I just want to say, I wasn't saying that the men need to organize. No, 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 no. Uh, I think that gender equality for Orions is an important matter and I support it. But also it's interesting to see a matriarchy in action in 21st century science fiction because it's kind of an idea that fell by the wayside a few decades ago. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that because the people who are coming up with them, it's it's very it's it's it is science fiction. Yeah, and <laughs> they can't imagine that it would have to be another world yes. where women would be in control. And it would have to be a you know a planet like Angel One, where it's kind of a joke that the women are very tall and Amazonian and the men are slight, and then you know Riker comes out in his sex blouse, and. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, this is a bit unfocused, but I love Orions. I love learning more about them. I'm so happy. It's it's interesting. It's interesting mm. that there are these weird gender things happening because mm. there is the whole pheromone subplot and, and Mariner's like, that's a lie. Mm. And then mm. the, the perfect expression when it was not a lie was, that, was great. I <laughs> was love that because I feel Well like... animated. Yes, yes. <laughs> And I feel like Canon has kind of looked at that bit of Enterprise and gone, no. And so Lower Decks naturally goes, yes. Yes. <laughs> but again, the Federation decided that must be a lie, but no one bothered to ask any Orions. Right. Yeah. Because then they might have to do something. Right. Right. And that would be a pickle. So... Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's just be oblivious. That's better. I do love that, you know, we've had Orions since the cage, literally from the very beginning of Star Trek. And it's only now, almost 60 years later, that we're actually digging into their culture. And just this idea that they've always been here and the Federation has been much too privileged to show an interest. Right. Mm. Literally introduced as slave girl. Mm. Mm. With no power. It's very, the Federation, if it's this, you know, utopian society, post-scarity world, Mm. they don't want to deal with slavery. That's, like, no, that's way too much. Mm. Yeah. So we're just going to, like, pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. It's convenient to have a group of like a race of antagonists who don't really have any firm political agenda they're out just being chaos agents and that's really fantastic i love using them in fic that way i love when they turn up in ds9 and and stuff like that but it really is past time that we actually explored the orions yeah it's interesting that you know we had osira and the Mm. green chain the emerald 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 Chain. chain and that's 900 years in the future yeah. and, and we still haven't explored their the Orions. Right. Like, is still sort of like, yeah, those are some pirates. <laughs> I think Asira <laughs> is really interesting because she's the Orion pirate queen, but she's not the sexual pirate queen. Mm. Like, I, I feel like this maybe does reflect some social evolution over the last 900 years for Orions. But how do we know? Because we don't really see much of them. We know that they had scientists in the 23rd century and slavers in the 22nd. And in the 24th century, they're just still kind of a mystery. They're objectified and stereotyped. 
But Tandy. But Tandy. But Tandy. Who, who chooses to leave because she wants to be something else. And the sweetest ray of sunshine was raised as an assassin for her family, which I love. Yes. And I, I mean, also, when she told her sister, I felt safe leaving because I knew that you would be better at this than mm. I ever could be. I was like, aww. <laughs> that was very sweet. And I think it reflects that Tendi really loves her family and really didn't want to abandon them, but she also knew that they would be fine without her. And they were, and right they, up until Derica disappeared. It doesn't sound like she's doing more than calling home every Saturday and talking to her mum for five minutes. Yeah. I think I think it's hard. I think it's hard for Tendi to mm. be away and you know, she's been hiding that part of herself for so long. Yeah. And so if she had those calls home, it would be harder to hide. Yes. Because she'd be reminded of it all. But there is nothing mean or nasty about any of her family. No, her family seemed delightful. And and even her friends, you know, they play the, the murder bug game and then they're like, we'll have brunch. Right. And also, Derica, I have listed here second child syndrome mm. because I feel for her that she wanted to be the assassin pirate queen mm. and wasn't able to be, you know, she was, she was going to be a priest. Um, isn't that what second children? Or no, they joined the military. Yeah, anyway, the third children. <laughs> third children become priests. Yeah. But her sister was given everything that she wanted and didn't mm. want it. And that is hard to um believe but even to erica isn't like she's not angry at tendy for leaving because she's like angry at tendy she misses her sister and Mm. she's and she's upset that her sister doesn't get to see how well she's doing yeah yeah and that kind of stuff the conflict isn't about the abandonment as much as it is about the loss yes and i think and i like that (laughs) yeah yeah, and I think for Tendi, being Orion in Starfleet is hard, but also being Starfleet among Orions is hard for her. And maybe going through this experience will help her be closer to her family from a distance now, that she doesn't have to leave altogether. Right. My question here, is identity intrinsic or a choice? Yes. Spoilers, it's both. <laughs> and they, again, the sort of assimilation of immigrants and immigrant children Mm. has been on my mind. That was the topic of the book that uh, we were reading with the new students. Yeah. And I led a class on. And identity politics is something that, you know, we, we talk about a lot, that it started out as this idea of my identity isn't represented in mainstream politics. And so I am going to find a way for my identity to be political, Mm -hmm. but it has been sort of co-opted to become the only thing that matters about me is my identity. And and that's the only way that I can be political. Uh, And that is a box just as much as it cuts you off from the actual political action, just as much as not being allowed to be in it to begin with does. Right, like if you're Asian, you're expected to write Asian books. And you're like, well, what if I just want to write my silly little adventures? Right, and, and that tension is very real for for everyone and certainly for these marginalised 
people and like you know tendy represents in this idea of i want to be a scientist in starfleet mm. but i also don't want to not be an orion like i think that yeah. tendy acts like she doesn't want to be an orion but i don't think she actually wants to give it up because that's a part of her that's who right she right and i think she downplays it because she thinks her friends are going to judge her or put her in that sexy orion pirate queen box and I think the international student comparison is really, really good because like Tendi, many international students come from places of privilege. You know, it costs a lot of money to go to university in America or Australia. And yet they come here or to America and they're marginalized and they face racism. They are often studying in a language that is their second, third or even fourth language it's really hard for them. And just because their families have money only cushions it so far. They have particular equity needs. I wonder what Starfleet Academy does for its international students. And I don't mean people like Worf who are non-Federation aliens, but raised on earth. I mean, people who are coming in from outside the Federation to join Starfleet. People like Saru. Yeah. And Tendi. I feel like Saru is a real, that's a, mm. because he couldn't go back. He was But stuck. also people like Chakotay and Awashikun who come to the academy as teenagers from ultra traditionalist societies that eschew technology to, to some extent. Not to psychopathologize Starfleet, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm guessing they don't do much. When the Starfleet Academy show happens, if if it happens, then we can uh, we we can get into this some more. And I think yeah. your particular expertise will, will be really <laughs> valuable for critique. Let's talk about Mariner and Boimler and their bonsai son. Their poor did I say Mariner? I meant Boimler yes, and you Rutherford. Meant Rutherford and their bonsai son. <laughs> so it was all fun and games. Absolutely. Um, I'm tired of Mark Twain. <laughs> like, I'm just, I was like, really? Does Mark Twain really have to be? Okay, that is so funny because he was in like two episodes of The Next Generation and then Ben and Adam from The Greatest Generation podcast hate him so much. And then we got to the Mark Twain bit and I was like, oh, this episode was made for me. It is not made for Ben and Adam. They are specifically excluded. And obviously you're also. <laughs> I I think it's one of those folk hero mm. Americana things that I just can't handle. You know, no offense to Mark Twain. Uh, you know, good guy, <laughs> good author. But I, you know, I, I had to read all those books mm. and be told how brilliant they were instead of finding out for myself. Oh, that's a really good way of putting it. And I don't like that. Mm. And I'm, you know, this is my same complaint. This is my complaint throughout Star Trek. Why do we never get past maybe 1930? Never mind that. <laughs> Why is it always men? 
Give me right. the episode where Rutherford and Boimler solve their problems by dressing up as Louisa May Alcott. Right. Or right. Emily Dickinson. It's... Like, America alone has so many great female writers in its history. And I get but that we... I get that this is also an internal Star Trek joke, and it's a, it's, it's a funny one. I laughed. I really did think it was funny. But it's frustrating. It's annoyed. Yeah. Like, I was annoyed the whole time. So it's just I'm I'm tired. I it feels like a lack of imagination. And you're right. I didn't take it as a Star Trek joke. Of course, it's a Star Trek joke. Yeah. But uh, but uh but I since I like Adam Franca don't like them at the beginning <laughs> of the Star Trek joke. I don't want to go there again. No, I think that's fair. I think. Lower Decks, to a point, doesn't really do anything new. They only build mm. on what's only come, what's come before. So really we need the rest of Star Trek to widen its scope of literary references. Right. And it's one of those, you know, you said, why, why is it always men? Mm. And Mark Twain in particular is like, again, I read Huckleberry Finn twice in school <laughs> because it was like middle school you know, like seventh grade, and then mm. again in American literature, in which I took in eleventh grade. I think it was actually called the American novel. Oh, and gosh. that was the one where she just she would not stop talking about how important it was to the racism conversation, and it's annoying for for Mark Twain to represent racism. That's yeah. Yeah, that's annoying. So I was sitting there and I was watching Rutherford dressed up as Mark Twain, and I was just like, I kind of hate this. Oh, see, I thought that was very funny. I thought that was deliberate, but I am going to wait and see what the Black Trekkies say. Yeah, and again, that's all my personal baggage from Look, seventh grade and eleventh grade. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I'm not putting it on the writers. That was my my mm. personal reaction. No, I, no. Like I liked that Rutherford. That it was it was fine for Rutherford to be Mark Twain, but it was also annoying to me personally. No, no. Mark Twain is clearly annoying to you personally, and that's okay. Uh, we're not going to do a deep dive into Time's Arrow anytime soon. Uh, no, you can't. You can't do a deep dive into that because there's nothing, nothing there in no. that episode. <laughs> But I do think that play acting as a route to conflict resolution is very Star Trek, it's very Lower yes. Decks, and maybe it's something we should do more often. Sometimes, was... like, my flatmate and I don't really argue very much, but if we have a disagreement, we will uh, sometimes have the argument with the cat instead of each other. And I think displacing your disagreement onto someone else is a really good way of yes. separating yourself from right. the conflict then it's, and resolving then it's not it. as personal you're not as defensive yes because it doesn't feel like they're attacking you and uh just because i was, was talking about it i will say the captain freeman is mark twain was hilarious oh i know i know <laughs> also i know we were saying last weekend that uh captain freeman is better at her job than pike but in this instance i don't know i'm not 100 percent sure <laughs> On one hand, she did this. She did the pike thing where she let the junior officers. She let the junior officers decide what to do. But it was a horrible idea. <laughs> Which is again the joke when looking at the comedy and going, "Hmm, 
Yes, <laughs> I understand this humour. And again, again, this was all very low stakes. Yeah. Like the, the most horrible thing that would happen is Starfleet didn't get to scan. And so it was just funny. Everything was just funny. Mm-hmm. It was all in good fun. I have two things to say in response to that. One, the worst thing that happened was that the bonsai was eaten and that is a tragedy and two it's interesting that both the alien and de erica are like why is starfleet always scanning and yes it's to learn but why does starfleet regard themselves as entitled to learn everything everywhere right so this brings into lynn's ethics yes which were i was i was great that it was such a wonderful uh to lynn has been influenced by our crew moment because not to psychopathologize Vulcans. Oh, please. But they would be angry with her for that. Oh, yeah. That was not... Vulcans... For a Vulcan, the ethical thing is to hand in that report. Oh, yes. Yes. 100%. That is the ethical thing for a Vulcan to do because they... And this, you know, this is why, why is, does Starfleet think that they're allowed to scan? Two reasons. <laughs> One, humans are curious. Yes. And two, Vulcans, just Vulcans. That's yeah. it. That's the yeah. reason. When you put those two people together, the Vulcans and the humans, you get Starfleet scanning everything because they feel entitled to learning about all of space. Mm. Except Orion's because they don't ask. Because they think they already know about Orions. Mm. It's interesting that Vulcans still have their own separate science division Mm. this late into the establishment of the Federation. And I think this is in part because Talin is clearly following the same arc as T'Pol. And I wonder if it is because there are points where the human-centric ethical considerations of the Federation bring them into conflict with Vulcan ethics and so Vulcans, yeah. and probably, you know, Andorians and everyone else has their own little division where they're off doing their own thing. But... I mean, simply based on not Boba Fett collecting all of the big groups of people mm. that it feels like, you know, there's Klingons in Starfleet now, but the Klingons still have their own thing. Yeah, yeah. But they're also a separate government. This is like if the state of New York still had its own separate... Though you guys, you probably you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, like, I yeah, feel like yeah. that's true, though. No, I, I, I mean, there's like the National it. Guard, but there's, there's also. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's not bring America into this. I started to say it, and then I was like, wait, you guys, like Australia, are basically a federate. Oh, Australia is a federation. Like, because we're, we're, we're a commonwealth, but we're federate. Anyway, yeah. Uh, mm. Politics is hard. Politics is hard. I mean, it's in our name. United States. States. Yeah. It's like if the state of Queensland had its own navy. I'm just going to put that out there. Because our, like, continental coast guard thing is the navy. I think, though, that the Vulcans had their own navy Mm. for centuries. This is true. So I don't know why they would disband it just because they also are a part of the federation because the federation isn't like it's not an empire it's officially a federation of states yeah yeah <laughs> i've always thought of it as 
effectively a nation. You're a citizen of the Federation. And that's true, but you can also be a citizen of Earth or Vulcan or Andor, Andoria. I guess that's like, I'm from Connecticut and I'm also from America, but I think it's even more so because they are whole planets and they have their whole ecosystem. Yeah. And they have their, their own government. Like there mm. is a president of Earth. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting, but it's also like very Vulcan, I guess is what I'm saying. Because remember when the Vulcan Slayer were like, we're going to join Starfleet, but only if you give us our own starship of just Vulcans. Oh, yeah. So it, it just feels very in line with, with the Vulcan culture. And they do have um, their own internal separatist extremists. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the resolution with Talin throwing her research away, I love that for her. It was such a mark of respect for Tendi, and mm-hmm. that's why they should kiss. Or because Talin is Vulcan, they should touch hands. Tendi was so touched by it as well. Like, yeah. She's like, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. I think because, again, going back to Tendi's complicated relationship with her Orionness, she doesn't want to perpetuate those stereotypes right that's why she's being the good orion (laughs) her whole thing is i want people to see orions not as a monolith Mm. and see me Mm. you know yes i'm orion but i'm not the kind of orion that you expect me to be yeah and if talin hands in her report where all of the orions are doing all of the things that everyone thinks orions are doing then that that doesn't get that message across. And I think that the Utilinda Mariner told Tendi, you know, hello, you're you, you're a scientist. That's really you, and we know that. And I don't think that um, Tillin would, you know, throw Tendi un- under the bus that way. But I think that an objective observation of everything that happened eh, would be it's hard for the tendiness to come out in that. Talin knows that the quote-unquote objective observer is going to take out of that something that they expected. Yeah. Finally, your note here that Lieutenant Junior Grades have enough time to complete their work and Ensigns don't. I, I just want to suggest that maybe Ensigns should unionise. Yes. <laughs> that was mainly my point here. I know this isn't the point of the episode, but... I think it might be a a point of the Mm. show because, okay, before Lower Decks, you know, we have all these series that are focused on the bridge crew, right? Yeah. The absolute top of the chain of command in the ship. And they're off doing things like playing the violin (laughs) and horseback riding and painting and reading Shakespeare and doing whatever the hell they want, (laughs) whenever they want to, like, and then they have to go, you know, save the galaxy. It's not like they're slacking off on doing their job because they do do their job, but they have plenty of time for their hobbies. And we always look at that as like, oh, look at this beautiful, amazing Star mm. Trek world where you can be whatever you want and you can study whatever you want and you can focus on whatever hobbies you feel like and, and you always get to do these fun things and it's all free and it's all accessible and everything is super duper and then we get lower decks and they have to clean the holodeck after all of that nonsense and it's like whoa yeah in order to have all that free time to do all those great hobbies somebody has to be doing Mm. the grunt work and these are the grunts 
And then they get one tiny little step up and, and they get to relax. They can have fun now and again. I agree and I'm with just you. Like, interesting. But also I think all through Lower Decks we have seen the Lower Deckers pursuing hobbies. They're playing games in the bar, they're building model space stations, they're on the holodeck, they're doing their band. Doing their <laughs> band. That's that's they're, they're seeing <laughs> I should say I made like a drumming motion because I remember Mariner and Tendi had a band and anyway, they're going to see the Choo Choo sisters like it's not as if we've gone three seasons with no recreational time for these guys. No, I, yes, they, they do still always get to have fun. Mm. It's just, it was just like, that was an interesting, because, so this is, again, my little educational soapbox of it's bad that public education is more about learning how to labor mm. in the correct way for the society mm. than it is about learning i completely agree but in this context i also wonder if it's that lieutenant jg's are allowed to manage their own time whereas ensigns have more supervision so if you're a lieutenant jg you can just give yourself more time whereas if you're an ensign you're, you're micromanaged more Mm. And, and do you think it's they're promoted mm. when they have learned that skill? That I think so. I think so. Because I've worked with teen, with, you know, young people and people starting out in their careers and they do need oversight to learn how to, to, to basically develop the skill of going from task A to task B and doing so efficiently, not too fast so they don't burn out, but not too slow so they don't hold everyone else up. It's a skill and it takes practice. And I think this is the point where they're allowed to take more responsibility in managing their own time and their own tasks. I think that's fair. Having I... said that, I do think Starfleet should unionize, so I stand by my original assessment. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 like, I'm not saying that Starfleet is bad. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just we saying often it's do interesting. Say it's interesting that this was a, a concept that, like, mm. they said in text. Mm. That, that yes they are responsible for their own time mm -hmm. and what does that mean yeah. and does it mean that I can go have fun because you know like Mariner's whole thing is I finish tasks quickly so that I can then slack off yes you know and as she and, says to Uhura, she has extensive knowledge of Starfleet regulations because they are saying take your break take your meal break it's just interesting and, mm. and it, again this is all colored by my position mm. and that i have to supervise 60 something students who don't have that skill yeah <laughs> goes as well as you think it does would you say you're the ransom in this situation oh my goodness i mean yeah when we were talking about command styles and i said that i prefer to be the first officer mm. Because that is my position. Each of these students that I supervise, they have a mentor. They have a faculty mentor that they're actually like working with, right? And I have to, I have to remind the mentor sometimes too that they have to take meal breaks, mm. and you know that they are required to to have this amount of work time and this amount of not work time. Yeah. And particularly in science, that's it's really hard mm. to to learn how to figure out 
how to do that and when to take your breaks mm. and when to start your experiments so that you can yes. take a break. I think any intellectual or creative field has that problem because people right. get into it because they truly love the work and they enjoy the work and they enjoy the challenge and yet it's still work and they still need to stop and rest. Right. Uh, my, my coworker and I have, uh, both of us have a background in theater as well. And mm, it's like, it's the same. Yes. Yes. Of theater interns have to work 12 hour days and they also have to eat. Yes. <laughs> and, and we have to make sure that those things happen. I mean, that's what the so. strikes are all about. These creative industries, you know, you go out and you're an actor and it does feel like play, but it is also work and it is very arduous work. You're working right. long hours, you're available for long hours, and you need to be compensated and treated accordingly. Anyway, we've run for, I think, twice the length of this episode of Lower Decks. <laughs> this very, this very bright, happy, simple, nothing too, too intense happens episode of Lower Decks. I just have <laughs> a lot of feelings about both Orion's and workplace justice. And work-life exactly. balance. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Antimatterpod. You can find our show notes at Antimatterpod, including links to our social media, credits for our theme music, and transcripts of our episodes. You can follow us on Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram, and Blue Sky, all at Antimatterpod, and on Mastodon at Antimatterpod at tenforward.social. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And join us next week for the next episode of Lower Decks, Empathological Fallacies.